What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 262, powered by, of course, Golden Eagle Energy Drink. Shout out to them for sponsoring the whole season four. If you haven't got any, get a 24-pack at drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. I got mine right here. I actually opened it right before the podcast, so it is a full can, unlike the last episode where like my can was pretty much empty, so this is fire. Very, very nice. And, uh, yeah, my mouth gets dry very quickly because I'm talking to myself for like roughly an hour, so it's good to have something that I really enjoy to drink here. So, uh, I wanted to originally review the Kanye West Vultures album, but there's so much news in the headlines like these past couple of days that, you know, I want to sit with the album too a little bit more because it came out like Friday night, like I'm talking like two at night or three at night, like in the middle of the night. So, you know, I want to sit with the album a little bit more and I know it's getting removed off streaming platforms and things are getting changed around left and right. So it's hard to like kind of, you know, what your what, what the final album is because Kanye's always had these kind of issues with albums and rollouts for the past like three, four albums. It's getting really ridiculous at this point. You know, at his level, you know, he needs to stop messing around and messing up. I don't know what would, you know, there's a lot of copyright infringement and we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But, you know, that it's frustrating because it's like, you know, you're Kanye West. Get get, get this shit together. Come on. Uh, first, let's get into the news. And I'm going to give you guys an update on Jam Master J. So Jam Master J's murder, murder trial uh, is going to proceed as judge shuts down defense's mistrial motion. Uh, Jam Master J's long delayed murder trial will go on a go on as scheduled after the judge denied the defense motion for a mistrial. According to Associated Press, defense lawyers requested the mistrial on Thursday, February 8th, on the grounds that prosecutors improperly guided a witness testimony. On the stand, the witness said one of the two defendants confessed to her that he killed the run DMC DJ shortly after his death and told her get people get what they deserve. Prosecutors argued that the defense planted a seed of prejudice through their line of questioning, but U.S. District Judge LaShan D'R.C. Hall denied their request for a mistrial because the witness had made similar prior statements. Uh, Judge Hall did, however, reprimand the prosecutors, saying that their questions crossed the line and that there was no need whatsoever. The two specific questions that sparked the issue came from Assistant U.S. Attorney Mark Misarek, who asked, did he say he killed Jam Master J, and did he say the people get what they deserve? Uh, the witness, a former girlfriend of the accused Ronald Washington, said yes to both. Upon her decision to deny the motion for mistrial, Judge Hall made sure to tell jurors to disregard the two questions and their answers. So, yeah, uh, looks like it's continuing, which is good because I, you know, too many of these trials just stop. And then you guys know, YMW Millie's been like dealing with his shit forever. Young Thug's going through his uh, you know, Nipsey's took forever and it finally got, you know, settled. So, you know, these guys got arrested in 2020. I understand 2020 was a crazy year because of COVID and, uh, you know, the whole George Floyd thing and just overall it was just a crazy year. You know, you had Pop Smoke and Kobe died that year. I was just talking with a friend about how 2020 was a crazy year. Like, we had Kobe die on June, uh, not June, but January 26th. And then Pop Smoke did an interview talking about Kobe dying and then Pop Smoke dies like right after it's a crazy, crazy year. I always, I don't know why I have those like years, those like 2019 and 2020, I have them like all jumbled into one because four people died that were like major. We're talking Nipsey Hussle, Juice World, Kobe. And it seemed like it happened all back to back when really it didn't. I know the Nipsey thing happened way earlier and then the Juice World thing. It, the Juice World, Kobe, and Pop Smoke thing happened like back to back to back like each month, which is like insane. So. Uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this Jam Master J trial, and you know, hopefully, Jam Master J gets the justice he so rightfully deso- deserves, and his family, you know, get the justice they deserve as well. Because this has been long overdue, and I'm glad that you know there's something going on when it comes to his murder trial. Updates on Kodak Black, and he's going to remain in federal prison. So let's go over the article. Kodak Black's Florida drug possession charges have been dismissed but the rapper will still remain in federal lockup for the time being. According to Associated Press, the charge was dismissed on February 
on February 9th, which was a Friday, after Judge Barbara Duffy told prosecutors that they, that they couldn't confirm or refute whether the rapper had a prescription for oxycodone. The drug, which was found in Kodak Black's possession, why am I messing up words so much, man? I don't understand sometimes. Possession, when he was uh, first arrested back in December, was what prompted the initial arrest and subsequently caused his bond in a separate federal matter to be revoked. Kodak Black's attorney, Bradford Cohen, is trying to get his client's separate tampering charge dismissed as well. Cohen also said that he hopes the dismissal of his tampering charge will prompt the Miami Federal Detention Center to free his client. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, he, he started back in Dece December 7th having these issues. And looks like they're not really going to give him a slap on the wrist this time. So, I mean... I don't understand at this point, man. I talk about this on the podcast 90 million times. Why don't you learn your lesson? Why don't you move a different way? I, I was watching a body cam, because I've been watching a lot of these body cam police videos on YouTube. I just, I get into this like wormhole of just watching people, um, you know, get a, get a, get arrested. And they 90% they, of the time, these people talk themselves into getting arrested. Like it's the dumbest, like through their actions, they, they literally put themselves in a situation where they get arrested. Because most of the time the police are like, chill they give you like 90 million warnings before they actually arrest you and people still uh you know they can't get it through their head it's like a weird it's like they have an issue with authority like these people that were raised they they just have an issue with authority you know i just watched a lady get arrested and, and the police officer was like you know you're not arrested ma'am you're just detained she's like what what is that what is detained and she was like i don't want to be detained and she was like yelling and my god like throwing a fit and mind you this is a lady that was like clearly in her 40s and crying it was like grow the fuck up at this point like you got to own up to your actions whatever you did even if you didn't do it right you know let's just say hey police officers are in the wrong it happens you get your day in court man it sucks it is what it is just suck it up for the moment i mean i've never had any issues with with uh interactions with police i actually got pulled over with a license plate issue a while ago um that i didn't know because i had a custom license plate and i had I had uh, changed some paperwork on my car at the time and they brought me a different license plate. Uh, and I didn't know that the customized plate didn't transfer to like the new, the newly, uh, I had refinanced the car. So you have to redo paperwork and stuff when you refinance a car. And yeah, the paper that just, it never transferred over. So they sent me a new license plate. I was like, why did I get a new license plate? I didn't really look into it much. So I kept the old custom one thinking it would transfer over. And then a police officer stopped me was like, hey, uh, this car, this license plate doesn't come back to a car at all. Like, it's not even registered. And I was like, that's weird because I've had police officers. Mind you, I had this plate in the car for like eight months. So I've had police officers be behind me and never get pulled over. But this cop ended up pulling me over. I was cool about the situation. I said, hey, let me, uh, you know, call my brother. Uh, he's got the plate. I got the plate in my room. And uh, I was like, you know, he can get it and he can give me the numbers and I can show you guys a photo of it. I'm sure this is the plate, blah, blah, blah. They saw it. Uh, the police officer was genuinely confused, like the one that came there, but then like a, a superintendent or whatever. What do you call those? Like commanders, whatever those people that are higher above. Uh, you know, he came there and he kind of clarified the situation for him because he was confused. And I was like, there's really nothing to be confused about. But I get it. So people, you know, people steal cars and do a bunch of bullshit. But I could have threw a fit and been like, nah, I, you know, I pay my, this is my fucking car. I pay the bills. I do this. I do that. And then start arguing with them and just, you know, act erratic for no reason. But, you know, the officer was in the wrong. I was in the wrong just for not transferring the plates. But at the end of the day, the officer was, was pushing it to a point where I was like, are you going to like get me locked up in trouble for this shit? I was like, I didn't do nothing wrong. I just didn't transfer plates. Like put them on the car. That's all that I didn't do. And the officer is, yeah. So a lot of these interactions, like speaking of interactions, 6 9 got, you know, uh, got pulled over. And his Rolls Royce, there's a, literally police footage of it. It's interesting because a lot of celebrities get pulled over. And now there's, you know, every police officer has a body cam. So he gets pulled over and he's very calm and chill. And they're like, why don't you have a license plate on the actual car? And I didn't know this. I had no idea this was a thing because it kind of makes sense now when you really think about it. When you're a celebrity of that like status, you don't have a plate on the car because there's a safety like issue. So he actually went to the Florida DMV because he got pulled over Miami, the Florida State DMV, and told them, "Hey, I'm a high celebrity status, and 
you know, it's a risk to put my license plate on a car. And, you know, they, they confirmed it and they said, listen, you don't have to put your license plate on the car. You can have it in your car. And if a cop pulls you over, you can show them the license plate. I don't know. That was even a thing. I didn't even know that was something that, that was possible. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if celebrities do have license plates on their car. I don't really pay attention. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. But he explained to them and apparently he just had a warrant for his arrest for uh, a ticket that he got a while ago that he didn't show up to court for. So he just went to jail quick, paid, bond out, and that's it. He didn't throw a fit. You know, you would think six nine out of all people would throw a fit and, you know, be a baby about the situation. He wasn't. He was like, you know what? I fucked up. I didn't show up to court for that ticket. I had no idea. And let me, you know, go to jail, deal with it, bond out, good to go. And it's really that simple. Nine times out of ten, if you if you if you, you know, work with the police, they're gonna work with you. You know, there's a guy, there's a footage that a guy got caught with like weed and it was like above the legal limit. And he just admitted, hey, I got weed, blah, 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 and just was straight up with the cop. He's like, it's all right, I'll, you know, he basically took the weed, and uh, the cop took the weed, and he didn't get charged, he didn't get a ticket, nothing. So that could have been a worse situation. Had he lied, had he, you know, threw a fit, you know, they would have gave him a ticket, and you just talked yourself into, you know, a $180 ticket for no reason because your mouth won't shut up about something. I don't understand. Some people don't, some people have, like, a problem with authority. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, when it comes to teachers, too, I've had, you know, when I was, in high school, middle school, whatever, you know, you would, you would have students that would throw fits if a teacher said, don't do this, don't do that. I'd be like, what's the, anyways, uh, I'm getting on a whole tangent here, but like I said, Kodak Black, I hope, you know, he learns from these situations because it's really, at a certain age, it starts to look really stupid when you keep getting, you know, involved in dumb things at, over time. But, uh, you know, hopefully he, he has finally learned from the situation. Speaking of learning, Kai Sanat. So if you don't know who Kai Sanat is, he is a possible... He is a popular, very, very popular streamer. He streams, I believe, on Twitch or Kick. I don't know. I don't really watch Kai Sinat too much. So he streams on one of those popular-ass platforms. And uh, he got on a streaming platform and, you know, was like, who the hell is Killer Mike? Because Killer Mike won best hip-hop out. So he was like, who the hell is Killer Mike? Why did he win? Blah, 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 blah. Mind you, Kai Sinat is like, I don't even know his age. I think he's like 20 years old. I could be wrong. Let me see, Kaisen not 22. So 22 years old, uh, you know, he was born basically in 2001, which is crazy to say 2001, I think. I just looked, um, what am I, let me actually look it up again. I just deleted the actual, yeah, 2001, December 16, 2001. That's crazy. Um, anybody above 2000, I just look at them like little kids. It's crazy. <laughs> Act like I'm super old at 1995. That's when I was born. But, uh, yeah, he basically was like, who the hell is Killer Mike? Why do you win best hip hop album? Well, Killer Mike responded. And the way he responded was literally perfect. So let's play the clip. Who, who decided this mother? I want to invite Kyle. Thank you for saying mm -hmm. my name. Kyle, I know, yeah. yeah, I know your guy. I know your guy and weird, but listen, I want to come to the room. I want to bring you a broom because Atlanta still won. You feel <laughs> yeah. me? Yeah. However, however it go, young player, just know I, I, I rock with you two and I'm cheering for all of us. You know yeah, what I mean? Because right, right. I'm going to just say to young people out there, it ain't nothing wrong with expanding. It ain't nothing wrong with trying something else. It ain't nothing wrong, you know, with, with just giving, you know, having, you don't have to be always in the crowd. So I just want to encourage our listeners out there. As a kid, I listened to as much rock and roll as I did rap. I listened to Metallica. I listened to Led Zeppelin. You just heard T-Pain do a rendition of Ozzy Osbourne when he was with Black Sabbath. And you have to become culturally rich, too. Mm. Like, I know the people that you watch and you like and that stream and you agree with them and they agree with you. That's a good feeling to be a part of that. But bring something else to the club. Be the person to say, let me turn you on to this. If you love Andre 3000, you should know who Portishead is. Well, why? Because Portishead affected Andre 3000 in 95, 96 in a way that radically changed the way he approached music. So you should always want to know what's the source of the source. Teaching. You know what I mean? So so I'm just saying, give, give uh, a big broad shot. If you don't rock with it, don't rock with it. But, um, you know, I won. And I'm going to win again. And I'm going <laughs> to win again. And I'm going to win again. That was the most elegant and perfect response I think anyone has ever had. <laughs> I'm gonna be one. I'm not even over hyping this. I 100% think that is one of the best responses ever. He just said, "Listen, be more culturally aware of things, and widen, you know, your 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 consumption of music. 
And literally, that's what Benzino was saying during our interview when he said, I wish Eminem fans would get one one thing out of this interview. And it was, you know, listen to music outside of just Eminem, hippity-hoppity-boppity type music. And that's the same thing Killer Mike's saying. It's like, yeah, you may not know who I am, but just give me a shot, listen to it. And if you don't rock with it, you don't like it, okay, it is what it is. At least you gave it a shot. And that's the problem with a lot of people in today's time. They don't give things shots at all. They just stay in their little bubble of music that they like, and they don't like to expand and listen to other things. I remember, um, it might have been Lonzo Ball, basketball player, NBA player. Uh, it might have been Lonzo Ball or LaMelo Ball. It might be his younger brother, LaMelo Ball. I don't remember which one, but they were like, future's better than Nas, and future's, you know, Nas ain't shit. And they got a bunch of, I don't know which one it was out of the brothers, but got a bunch of backlash for that. And was like, just because you and your friends listen to future, and that's your, your, your circle, and that's all you guys listen to, doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, Future's the only one that's hot and relevant and the Nas is nothing. No, there's a circle that listens just to Nas. But, like I always encourage people, especially in hip-hop, you got all kinds of different sounds that you can listen to. And I've tried, I've listened to different sounds, I just, some things I can't get into, and that's, that's, that's just opinion, that's just preference. You know, Playboy Cardi is somebody I can't get into. Uh, Big Sean, for some reason, I just can't get into his music. And even Ty Dolla Sign with this Kanye West, uh, I'm going to talk about that when I review that. But Ty Dolla Sign is someone I'm not, you know, really a fan of musically. I don't really check for his music like that. So, you know, outside of music, I like to listen to, like I've listened to growing up, Green Day, uh, Linkin Park, uh, Everlessons, the, the the group that uh, beat 50 Cent in the Grammys. Uh, I think her name, their name is Everlessons. I might be messing that up. Um, what else? Uh Three Doors Down, uh, lots of different stuff, lots of different stuff, and this is mainly 2000s type of music, but I still would listen to a lot of this stuff, uh, Tim McGraw, whatever, whoever, whoever I was I was hearing, because a lot of the country stuff also mixed with hip-hop, a lot of the rock stuff mixed with hip-hop as well, so it made me, you know, more aware of different things, and he's right, you know, a lot of artists like Andre 3000 got inspiration from other people, Kevin Gates is one of those people that always says you know i listen to this i love this i love this i listen to that and he's not ashamed to be like oh i, I don't i just listen you know i don't just listen to hip-hop you know like i he listens to everything he's not ashamed to, to say it and some people i feel like they're ashamed to be like you know i like this i actually listen to this i listen to justin bieber at certain points and i'm not ashamed to admit that i'm not gonna be like oh you're a bieber fan and you know back you know when kids would clown each other over what music to listen to so i would listen to all kinds of different stuff i still do to this day i still give things chances um, unfortunately, a lot of the newer hip hop from what I've, you know, consumed is not what I've been liking, but there has been good stuff here and there. So to say that everything's been garbage and trash, no, that's not the case. Um, so yeah, man, that's the most, that's the perfect response. I hope Kai Sanat actually, you know, hears that response, actually watched it and takes into consideration because I know when you're young, you really don't care. You're just you and your crew, and that's all you care about. And whatever is else out there, you could care, you know, you don't give two shits about. So, uh, perfect response, though, man. Shout out to Killer Mike for that. William Roberts. It doesn't hit the same as Rose. You guys know what I'm talking about. William Roberts, a.k.a. Rick Ross. Uh, he says something interesting, man. Um, and let's go over the article. Let's see what he said. Rick Ross has found himself on both sides of the rap beef, launching and also finding himself at the receiving end of some of the most brutal bars in rap music. But in a recent interview with Logan Paul's podcast, Impulsive, which dropped on Tuesday, February 6th, the boss made it clear that he doesn't believe that there are any rules or limits when it comes to engaging in verbal sparring. Interesting. So let's play the clip. Pay attention to the rap beef. I mean, it, of course it come across my page. You know what I mean? Nikki dropped a response last night. I think it was last night called Bigfoot. Do you think that you could go too far in rap beef or you think it's all fair? I really don't think you could go too far. I think, you know, um, you know, this is sport. It's hip hop. You know what I mean? And it's about having that, that fun. I call it fun. You know what I mean? Megan got off her record. I'm believing. You know, if I'm wrong, let me know. She got off her joint. Yep. You know, Nikki yep. being the queen she is in the rap game. She responded, got off a record, and that's what you're supposed to do. Do you think uh, bringing dead parents into it is questionable too far? You know, I haven't heard anything yeah, about Nikki, dead Nikki parents. Yeah, Nikki keeps so. bringing up Megan's dead mom on it. 
like a Which, lot, is she, like she about fifteen times. Her dead mother. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Well, you know, I haven't heard it. Mm. You know, I haven't well, heard drop. it. That's not your. That's I haven't not, heard it. it. Just you know, I, like I've done, night. I've done, I've done things too. You know, when I'm doing my thing too, when I'm at odds and I'm making my music, I've done things and said things too. Yeah. So sometimes it's fuck them. First, Rick Ross is always in character. You know, and when I say this, you know, William Roberts is a whole different person than Rick Ross, a whole different person. So shout out to him. He he is for an entertaining interview. Uh, I'm gonna watch the full a full interview of this because I got I caught myself watching it and watching a lot more of it than I expected. So shout out to William for that. He's he's a great entertainer. Second, uh, I agree. There is no limits until because Ross and Fifty obviously we know they had their beef. Fifty involved you know baby mamas and children and you know everybody got involved with different things and rose was using racial slurs at one point calling you know black people monkeys and whatever the case may be so there was no limits on that i think uh it even got into a point where you know some some things some shootouts some things happened um and i want to redo the 50 versus ross who really won i got to redo that and do it like to a t because at the time when i did it i didn't know if people were going to accept here's how early i was on the long format documentaries on youtube by the way I don't know if, somebody, if people were going to accept a 47-minute video on a beef, on one beef. That's how early I was on this shit. And I was doing parts and stuff, like part one and part two. Now motherfuckers dropping four-hour documentaries and shit. I was doing this shit before everybody. So anyways, um, what the fuck was I going to say? Yeah, there's no limits. I think, I think if you do mention dead people, I think that's too far. That's my only part where I wouldn't go. Um... For the most part, if, if people, like if I was in a beef rapper, right, and we're, we're going back and forth, I wouldn't mention children, you know, and family. Like, I would stay off that. But if they brought it in, I would bring it in then too. Other than that, like, I would not go there, though. I would keep it between me and the person. And then I would never go to bringing up dead people. That's like something that I don't, you know, I don't, that's just let the person's soul rest in peace, man. That's, that's, that's just, that's why I don't like a lot of this newer hip hop where it's, my ops dead and they're, they're rapping about them dying and all kinds of shit. I'm not a fan of that stuff. So that's the part where I think it's too far. And they asked him about that. And you know, Rick Ross said, I didn't hear it. Didn't understand it. Cause apparently when they did this interview, the Bigfoot track dropped literally the day before. So Ross didn't really hear it at the time. Um, and then they asked about Nas versus Jay-Z. And I, I, I like Rick Ross's response and the fact that, you know, Nicki Minaj coming back really quick within a day, I think. She dropped the track, maybe a day and a half, is very respectable, regardless if you like the track or not. Like Rick Ross says, this is coming from a rapper, someone who writes, like he said, I'm a writer, you know, rapper. That's hard to do. And the fact that they're even, like what he said about Nas and Jay-Z, the fact that they're even going at it, exchanging tracks, you got to respect that. Because nowadays we get fucking tweets and Instagram lives of people. Instead of getting in the booth, get your ass in the booth, and respond on wax. Like Lotto just said to Ice Spice. Yeah. Yeah, Ice Spice. You're going to munch on that. Sorry. I was going way, way off track there. Uh, yeah, but that's what I mean. I, I respect, and that's that's why I told Benzino. I was like, older generation, I like the direct shots as well. I'm not a fan of subliminals. Um, but yeah, man, great, great, uh, great take from uh, William Roberts. I think, uh, you know, him, he needs to speak more on these battles type stuff. Really cool. And then he laughs without the money, you know, you got the most money. Yeah, they're rapping about money. And I think he's like joking and looking at, like he's looking at the camera because he, you know, in his mind, for some reason, he thinks he's richer than 50 Cent. But, uh, you know, in reality, come on, just the tour alone. Come on, man. Just the final lap tour generated by 150 million. And I got the numbers to back it up. Touring data. Look it up. Look up X. Go to X.com or Twitter, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Go at touring data. At 50 Cent in the search. You'll see how much that bitch generated in the final lap tour. There's like 20 shows that it shows. And he made like 24 million just off of like 20 shows. So you can add the rest of the shows. He's basically averaging 1, 1 million to 1.5 million a show. He did like fucking, I don't know how many shows. So yeah. Speaking of shows and 50's touring. Busta Rhymes, who was part of the tour. Uh, spoke with Big Boy about the tour. And he talked about how 50's always... Uh, wanted to travel, you know, not wanted to travel, but he's always been open to going wherever the hell to perform. And if you haven't seen my 50 Cent uh, getting his chain snatched in Angola, Africa, which has flopped, that video has done so horribly. YouTube, 
YouTube just flopped that video for me so badly. Like, it's got 5,000 views. I've never had a video do that bad. And I have over 670,000 subscribers. It's ridiculous. I don't know what the fuck's going on with my YouTube channel sometimes. They don't push out content at all. I'm, like, getting screwed. But if you haven't seen that video, go look it out. Check it out on my Diverse Mentality YouTube channel. Uh, it's about 50 getting chain snatched in Angola, Africa. And in there, I highlight of how 50, like, went to Iraq to perform. Like, this is a war zone. And he went there to perform. So 50 would tour anywhere like he didn't. And that's what Buster Rhymes highlights in this clip. So let's play the clip. And big up to 50 Cent for bringing us out there oh with him God. on that final lap tour. Because what I was alluding to was not only was that probably the most incredible tour and you been that on I've many. ever been on. I've been on many. And I'm saying that because every night, every arena was sold out. 20,000 and better. And I've never been on a tour for five months. We did the first show July 21st. Mm. My last show was November 21st. He's still on that same tour. Yeah, man. When that motherfucker said 50, world 50, tour. 50 is not, like, that's one thing. He's, he, he don't play with that work. And ever since he first came to Violator and the first Get Rich or Die Trying came out, he was the only one that would jump on a fucking cat, uh, jump on a plane like the shit was a cab. Right. Go get it. That motherfucker don't got no problem flying 20 hours somewhere and coming back home the next day. Mm-hmm. 20 hours. Yeah. That's fucking fifth. Tour we all scheduled yeah, wrong. He, he he like, man, you know fuck. you could have done San Diego, then L.A. <laughs> he don't care. Yeah, man. And this is this is how he was from the beginning. Like he, you know, so being on that tour and being able to do all of those antics every night the way it was received was phenomenal, bro. And your energy, bro. And we've had many conversations about this. I told you one time, bro, when, you know, I think it's, is it a break your neck when y'all start, when when y'all do yeah, the jog, yeah, 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 and y'all yeah. do the jog in place, yeah. and then you you command and demand this energy. Come on, man. Taking a, taking a plane like it's a cab out this bitch. That's a lot of uh, CO2 emissions. Jeez, they're talking about us. And not using straws, and you got people over here flying like they got cabs and shit, like they're cabs. But fuck, whatever. It is what it is, man. You got a tour. You got to make the money. You got to make the money, the moolah. So shout out to Buster Ryan's, man. I think uh, I wanted to see the show more than once. I should have done that. I got offered free tickets to go in Atlanta as well because um, I got free tickets in New York. Went up there, met a couple of uh, 50s people, which was cool. Um, and then, you know, got to see the concert for free. Then I got offered free tickets in Atlanta, but I think I was sick. Yeah, I think when I came back from New York, I got sick, and then the show was too close, like the dates were too close or something like that. Something happened where I couldn't go. Um, but, yeah, it was fire, fire show, man. I wish, I hope 50 does another, like, tour in America because I think, you know, he does overseas a lot, but in America he doesn't do it often. So hopefully in America we get more uh, tour dates and stuff like that. That would be really, really cool in the future. Not like a whole... You know, because I know he says this is the final lab, but he said I'm not going to be do like dedicated dates back to back to back. So that's what he means by final lab. But he still said he's going to do concerts and stuff. Just not, you know, all scrunched up into five months like Buster Rhymes said. Uh, speaking of touring, and this was interesting, and I love this. I like that Lil Wayne responded like this because Lil Wayne is at a level where he doesn't have to do this. So what am I talking about? Lil Wayne explains what's needed to make Hot Boys reunion tour happen so let's play the clip with everybody being free and the time is what it is like i said everybody got their own money now mm -hmm. we got money we ain't got to ask for mama no yeah. more are you open to being like on tour like a hot boy store i think we spoke about it a few times but you know they have situations like bg just getting out just coming home so you got to figure out can he you got to work it out can he can he tour? Travel, right, can he yeah. travel? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Things like that. You know, Juvie ready, but and Turk ready, but it's really we got to see if Jeezy could move around and all that like that. So that's the only piece. Yeah. Because I, I, when I when I get to see it now, because I say now it's my money now. Yeah, because everybody got their own thing, like you said. Everybody got their own record right. label, their own situation. Nobody ain't tied down to nothing. So when we ask everybody, they're like, yeah, we jump on whenever. Just we got to make sure we got to get Jeezy right. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I I pray that it all happens and comes together because like. It's a dream of mine to see you on stage. I like that. I love that Lil Wayne is, you know, like, yeah, let's let's do it. We just got to get that. That makes sense. A lot of people, you know, grown men, they got their own situations. 
They got to figure out their own situation when it comes to traveling and stuff like that. And, you know, once they figure that out, I'm sure they're going to gross a shit ton of money, especially in America. They can do a bunch of shows and make a bunch of money. And that's, that's the thing that 50 was kind of doing a uh, uh, nostalgia type of tour and they can do a same type of tour, nostalgia type of tour. And you can still make money off nostalgia, especially when the music is good and how boys definitely delivered. So with that being said, why the fuck does YG have a podcast? Like what is with these famous multimillionaires getting podcasts? Like, aren't you guys rich enough? Stop taking and hogging up the damn lamb. Just joking around. But yeah, in seriousness, I think celebrities doing podcasts has always been like weird in, in, in some terms. You know, I don't think, I don't, I can't I think of a celebrity that does it really well. Mike Tyson does it really well. Hot boxing with Mike, which is really cool. Um, is Joe Rogan really a celebrity? Yeah, he was because he's on Fear Factor and Comedian. So I guess, but Joe Rogan was like doing it before everybody was doing it. So he's like the pioneer of the shit. So, I don't know. I'm not really a fan of celebrity podcasts. Like, I don't want to hear YG talk with Lil Wayne about stuff. I don't know why. I just, I like the, them sticking to their music and then sometimes doing interviews here and there. I think that's cool. I think just leave certain things. Like, Shannon Sharp, he did his thing. Like, there's there's moments where I think, you know, a celebrity or a football player or whatever the case may be, may be getting in that position is really cool. But it's like, come on, guys. Leave, leave you know, some of this stuff to, 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 to people that, you know, study things and day in and day out. Not to, not to disrespect him at all. You know, YG, if he wants to do it, cool. But a lot of celebrities also start podcasts and they disappear after a while. You know, like DJ Khaled started his with Amazon. It's gone. Never, never to be seen again. Uh, there's a bunch of people, celebrities that started podcasts and just ended them. So it's really just a money play at a certain point. You know, so and when you can, when you can see it's a money play, it's like, I don't give a shit about the podcast, guys. You're just trying to make some money off the sponsorships and whatever you can and then move on from it. And for other people, it's actually their life livelihood, like me, for example. Um, you know, I have to do this stuff, you know, not only because I love it, but I also get paid from it so I can, you know, live and have a, a livable wage and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but interesting take from Lil Wayne, and I'm definitely, definitely want to see Hot Boys tour. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, they dropped a commercial. And when I watched this shit, I was excited and I was like, man, we're finally getting the aftermath comeback. It's going to be Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg first dropping their album. Then Eminem's going to drop and then 50 Cent. And then I don't fucking know. Cash is going to come out of nowhere and drop an album. Stat Quo, you know, D12. I don't know. I was just excited, right? Come to find out the commercial, while it's a dope commercial, is about their drink, gin and juice. So let's go over the article. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg have teamed up on a new beverage inspired by one of their biggest hits from early in their careers. On Saturday, February 10th, the duo shared a cinematic trailer for their new gin and juice product that features them playing two gangsters reminiscent of Vincent and Jules from Quentin Tarantino's 1994 classic Pulp Fiction. Based on the clips shared by the legendary team's joint Twitter account, the drink will come in four flavors, apricot, citrus, melon, and passion fruit. Very cool commercial, I hope. This leads to music because whenever, like when Dre got ready to really push Beats by Dre, he started dropping songs here and there. Like I think one of my favorite Dr. Dre records is Kush. I love Akon on that hook. I love Snoop Dogg on there. The beat is insane. It's perfect to me. I Need a Doctor. I love that record as well. And Dre was having this kind of comeback with music and dropping joints here and there that are performing pretty well because, you know, the Beats by Dre thing. I think it got him back into like more you know, things to do in this, you got to push this product. So hopefully that means Snoop and Dre are going to drop a joint album. It'd be great to do that because it'll push this product a lot more. I don't drink. So at least drink like that. So I don't know if I'll buy it, but, uh, if I find it somewhere, I might, might end up just taking a can just to try it out. Um, so shout out to them. Great business venture. And, uh, we'll keep our eye out, I guess, and see, hopefully Snoop and Dr. Dre drop something. Cause Man, I need I need some new music, man. I'm tired of aftermath being uh, an afterthought. How about that? How about that? That was genius of me to come up with in literally three seconds. Afterthought. I'm tired of aftermath being an afterthought because you know, as much as you guys probably might not like Benzino, you know, I know he didn't go up aftermath. He went at Shady Records, but you know, they're all under one bunch um, there, in my opinion. So. You know, I want Dre to come back. I want Snoop to come back. I want Eminem back. I want 50 back. 
to drop music, man. Come on, guys. We're tired of fucking waiting. There's always teasers and shit and music you record in your vault, but we never get it. So I can't wait, man. I, I will lose my mind the day that I hear anything of Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, or 50 dropping. I'm going to lose my mind. So we'll keep our eye out. Eric Sermon did a recent interview, and he talked about a lot of things. He talked about how he's potentially going to appear on the new Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg album, but he talked about some business, and I like I like insight in hip-hop business just because, you know, you get to hear cool stories of what checks people made and how, you know, I'm, I'm a pocket watcher. That's what basically what I'm saying. I'm a pocket watcher, all right? Uh, Eric Sermon has revealed he makes almost 750000 per year for Metro Boom and 21 Savage and the Weekend Smash Hit Creepin'. Metro's song famously samples Mario's 2004 hit, I Don't Want to Know, which itself prominently samples EPMD's you are, You're a Customer, uh, meaning Sermon receives a significant amount in royalties. Sermon, who owns his own publishing, explained in an interview with Bootleg Kev, he now rakes in publishing money from the two tracks. So let's play the clip me owning my own publishing everybody calls me so if it was for all the 50 cent shows right you know whatever my placements they got to call me direct i was telling my man that music i mean the, the weekend is one of the most streaming artists in the world 100 right so him and metro booming did i don't want to know Creeping, yeah yeah which is your customer mm -hmm. right yeah only oh four percent of that four percent of that of that record right four percent of the original of no of that record of metro booming you, uh, yeah, yeah, of, of, of your customer on that song so you own four percent of creeping of, of of the publishing right, right listen every four months guess how much it brings in uh $200,000 $220,000 <laughs> wow that's Yo, 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 but that's 240. But 240? That's, that's crazy how he was on the money. He's in it. Yeah. 4%. Eric, talk about track with the track with Wait, hold on. So let me get this straight. So when you, because do you have to hear the song first before you clear it? Yes. Even when they when they did the Mad Singer and mm -hmm. the Mad, somebody on the Mad Singer sung, did the record? Yeah. Mad Singer called me. Wow. Everybody has to call because, again, everybody's not fortunate because luckily L Leo Cohen and his brother made me made me, me and Russell them made me me so I didn't have to sell the publishing because mm. people sell publishing when they, when they need to get the money. So luckily I was able to survive without doing that. For you, like, uh, I think most people don't understand the, how important the pub game is because... Right. We always are pushed like, well, the streaming only pays this. If you get a million streams, it's like thirty eight hundred bucks. But like, the real money is really in the pub, right? Like, if you can like own your publishing. Let's back this up. Yeah. Even though streaming might be less than one cent, there's still more money being made than you sign to a label. It's still mo more money being made if you don't sign to a label, is what you're if saying. If you assign to a label, okay, and you and 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 you are independent streaming. You is a chance that you can make more money than being on a major. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Even with the less than one penny. Yeah, it's it's rough because you. I mean, but 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 people don't know if you're not in the game, you wouldn't know that. But I have a streaming company, so I I, I I'm witness to what it makes. Right. Well, on the pub side though, like because I feel like the publishing side of music is not talked about enough, and I also feel like oh no, people know that. But you what you've seen all the arguments with the locks and puff and anybody with publishing. That's a always been a big deal no i mean i'm just talking about this new these new kids man oh they don't have a clue they have no idea because of the 360 asthma there you go there you have it you know it's important you know a lot of these new artists don't know about publishing and don't know that you know uh not having to work and making money off old content is possible and i'm realizing that with youtube you know a lot of my old content because i did documentaries and i did pieces of work that people will always watch I could go a whole month without working, you know, and still have income coming. It might not be as much as obviously if I was putting out new stuff, but it would still be income coming in. And that's not even like a publishing. That's a back catalog type of deal that even, uh, you know, I've gotten offers deals to, to buy my back catalog and they give me a lump sum of money up front. Um, but yeah, a lot of this stuff is very interesting, man. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that 
you know, if you don't know about it, it's going to bite you in the ass years down the line. So if you're an artist, learn about it. Uh, as you can see, you know, he's making 240000 every like three months coming in his, you know, mailbox because of them sampling his original song. And he only owned 4% of the song. Think about that. The Creepin' record, only 4%. Like imagine if he owned a little bit more. Like it's insane. He's basically making $750,000 off something he made ages ago. So, yeah, man, I love these type of talks. I love these type of talks. And Michael Jackson's estate recently, which I don't understand. I'm going to talk about this. I actually didn't have it planned in the in the um, list of stuff that I'm going to be talking about. But I want to talk about this because this is very important. Um, and it's a very interesting, you know, news. So Michael Jackson's so Michael Jackson's estate is ran by lawyers and then it's ran by also michael jackson's mom and then the kids have some type of say in it as well uh that's based off my research what i did so let's go over the article and see exactly what happened so my sony music uh bought stake in michael jackson's catalog which is valued over 1.2 billion dollars so according to billboard sony music group has disclosed has closed uh an agreement to buy half of michael jackson's publishing and recorded master's catalog in a deal that sources say valued these music assets somewhere above $1.2 billion. Other sources have suggested it might be as much as $1.5 billion. At those valuations, uh, Sony will pay at least $600 million for its stake of the legendary rights. Uh, Sony's deal with Michael Jackson estate does not include royalties from the Broadway play and or other theatrical, uh, theatrical productions featuring Jackson's music. Billboard estimated that the iconic artist's estate earns about $75 million annually. Uh, these assets include ownership of master recordings publishing for Jackson's share of his songs, uh, his magic publishing catalog, and revenue from merchandise royalties from theatrical shows uh, featuring Jackson's music. At the time, uh, Billboard estimated that within the $75 million estimate, um, Jackson's recording and publishing assets alone brought in $47.2 million to the estate, and that Jack that might be bringing in another five million to eight million annually. Uh, the Jackson State, however, did not take into account that his popular appe popularity appears appears to be growing as the streaming marketplace expands. And they said this is possibly one of the largest uh, valuations ever of a musician, obviously because of Michael Jackson. But here's here's what I got to say about this. One, the interesting thing about this is one, Michael Jackson didn't like Sony. Uh, you know, he was he owned Beatles catalog. He's having uh, issues with Sony, uh, was fighting with them about ownership of things. And a lot of artists do that. Usually they usually end up in these situations where they're arguing with labels about stuff. And uh, one, he didn't like Sony. So I'm genuinely surprised that Michael Jackson's estate sold to Sony because that's something that's going to forever going to make money publishing. Um, and second, why sell at all? If you're making $75 million a year off it, that's enough to live off of it. Why would you need $600 million up front? Like, what's the point of that? You know, like, think about it, guys. Just think about it. If you're making $75 million a year, why would you need an upfront? Why would you sell something that's going to forever make you money and potentially grow in making money? Because they said, listen, uh, that's not factoring the fact that streaming is growing and all this stuff is growing to potentially make more money. So that 75 million can go up to 100 million a year. So why would you sell to Sony, the, the, the company that Michael Jackson hated himself when he was alive? And not just keep it. Keep that publishing stuff for Jackson's family for ages. They can live off that thing forever. I'm talking about forever. Like for the next 500 years, guaranteed they can live off that. No problem. So why sell something that they can live off for the rest of their lives? It makes no sense to me. I think there's something going fishy, something fishy going on behind the scenes. And I've always wanted to do a Michael Jackson documentary relating to the Sony stuff, and I will do it in the future. I just don't know when, but it's very weird to me, right? Like, why, why, why would Michael Jackson's estate, knowing that Michael didn't like Sony, sell publishing rights to Sony? That's something that Michael Jackson was fighting not to do and not to have them have rights for. So... Yeah, I'm just genuinely surprised. If I was making $75 million a year off something, I would not sell for an upfront money of $600 million. Yes, $600 million is a lot of money, but unless I was in like a financial crisis out of nowhere, like I just was done with money, 
and just blew 75 million every year and then got into debt and whatever the case may be. Then, you know, I'd be like, shit, I'm in a slump. I got to, you know, sell this and never get in this situation again. But I doubt they're in a financial, you know. And here's the thing. I actually almost forgot to say this. Artists, when they have a really long career, they have peaks and then eventually they fall off. Every artist has, has gone through that. You know, it's just natural. That's something that always happens. Um, even Michael Jackson eventually, but his fall off would be like 8 million sold. Ooh, that's a flop. But like, you know, cause this guy would sell like fucking 60 million records on one album. So if he did 8 million on one album, it'd be a flop. Meanwhile, like 50 cents best 8 million on Get Rich that trying is seen as a huge success. So his fall off is a whole different tier of fall off, but he fell off, right? The album, last album that he had when he was alive, he dropped did like 8 million copies. A lot of people viewed it as a flop. That's, which is insane to do 8 million and consider it a flop. It's crazy, but that's Michael Jackson's standards. Anyways. Had his peak, fell off. Um, the popularity kind of goes away when they're alive. And guess what happens? When they die, all of a sudden, boom. Fans, you know, mourn the artist, want to feel nostalgic about the artist, and they start buying a bunch of stuff relating to the artist, from CDs to merch to whatever. And then, because of the, the, the artist not being here anymore, depending on what level they're at, their aura grows even more. They become even more popular because more and more people talk about them. And that's what's happened with Michael Jackson. And if you look in the music industry, history-wise, labels have preferred artists that have done with, that have been done with their peak to actually die versus staying alive. They actually want the artist dead because their sales spike and they keep growing and growing and making money. I'm not saying I'm don't don't I'm not throwing things out there and saying that you know Michael Jackson got killed or anything like that. I'm just I'm just saying, guys. Michael Jackson was worth more dead than alive, and you can look up all the numbers. Michael Jackson's shit has skyrocketed since he's died. It even says in this article his popularity has been consistently growing. Want to know why? Because people miss the guy, and two, they want the artist dead because. The artist can't get in the way of things. When Michael Jackson was alive, he was getting in the way of Sony owning publishing rights and fighting them and speaking out and using his voice. Now that he's dead, eh, nothing's being said. Family's not really, family's doing their thing. I mean, they're coming. Also, we're forgetting, they're about to come out with a Michael Jackson uh, movie. That's about his life. I think it's a TV series or movie. I don't remember, but they're, 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 they're casting for it. It's going to be called Michael. Like, that's going to skyrocket his popularity again. They're going to make way more money. Like, Sony... Sony's going to be eating like a motherfucker off this stuff. So, yeah, man, I think it's sad because Michael Jackson did not like Sony. So the fact that they're selling and, you know, you guys are making 75 million a year, guys. Why would you need more money up front? Like, I understand if you're only, if you're only making like, and I'm saying only because to their lifestyle, it's different compared to ours. Obviously, if I was making 100,000 a year, I'd be super happy. But to them, it's like if they made, let's just say, let's say they're only making a million dollars a year. To their lifestyle, what they're used to, that's a very low amount of money. Then I can see, you know, selling it and try to make a huge upfront money would make sense. If you're making $75 million a year. What are you spending $75 million a year on? Like, what's, what the fuck? Where's that money's going every year? Like, I understand there's a lot of, you know, Michael Jackson and has a huge family and, you know, uh, his mother had a lot of kids, but Janet Jackson makes her own money. She's her own star in her own right. And all other Jacksons as well. They got their own publishing, make their own money. So where the fuck is the 75? Why do you need more than 75 million a year? That's what I'm confused about. I don't know. I'm just, I don't like pocket watching. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But <laughs> I, I'm just confused in this, in this scenario. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. I actually didn't have it planned on the podcast. So I'm glad that this, uh, this you know, publishing check thing kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, let me know what you guys think of that Michael Jackson thing. I, I, I despise it because Michael didn't like Sony and I just don't get the deal. Why would you sell off something that's going to forever make you money? Maybe I don't know something. Maybe I'm ignorant to something. Hopefully somebody can comment and, you know, say something and be like, Quake, no, this is why they did it. And this is the reason why maybe, uh, maybe there's a good reason for it. I'm just, you know, maybe talking out my rear end and don't know what I'm talking about. So I don't know, but we'll keep our eye on this and hopefully no more publishing gets sold at this point. Let's talk Kanye West vultures and a lot of issues that he's, run into and the first one being from Ozzy Osbourne and this is interesting because man Twitter flamed Ozzy's Ozzy's response so let's let's go over what happened Ozzy Osbourne has been has taken to social media to blast Kanye West for using an unauthorized Black Sabbath sample after the English rock band denied his clearance request in a post today 
uh, which is actually February 9th. So it wasn't today. The article says today, but that was on Friday. Uh, X, formerly Twitter, the Black Sabbath frontman sent out a PSA in the aftermath of the Vultures album event that was live streamed the night before, during which Ye and Todd Allison previewed a song featuring elements of the band's 1970 track Iron Man. In the post, Ozzy Osbourne wrote this. Kanye West asked permission to sample a section of a 1983 live performance of Iron Man from the U.S. Festival without vocals and was refused permission because he is an anti-Semite and has caused untold heartache to many. Uh, he went ahead and used the sample anyway at his album listening party last night. I want no association with this man. So here's the funny thing, right, about this. Uh, first off, Kanye responded to that. And uh, he said he obviously has a celebrity handler who's on his account, which is uh, pretty funny. But here's the the funniest thing of this, like the whole, the funny thing about this all is that somebody posted a clip of Ozzy Osbourne a while ago, basically praising Hitler and said that like he's one of the greatest or something like that. And this is a long time ago. This is a, from an old, old interview. So let's play the clip for you guys and let's see who's in the wrong and who's in the right in this situation. Who do you think has influenced your stage shows the most? Me. Where did you get your ideas from? From working in a mortuary when you were 15? Adolf Hitler. What do you mean by that, Ozzy? Not for... Adolf Hitler had um, a charisma in a bad way. And I... I kind of admired him. He was a freak. He was a lunatic. But he had something about him, you know. Yeah, I know it was all bad what he did. It was terrible what he, that guy did. He killed all these people and whatever. But it was like, um, he had something about him, you know. And I, I, I admired him, not for what he was. So how are you going to say you admire admire Hitler, even though he said, you know, it's not because of the things that, you know, I don't admire him because of the things he did. He just had a charisma. He was So how are you going to take from Hitler and say you admired him and then turn around and say Kanye is anti-Semite and he's a bad person and I don't want nothing to do with him? That makes no sense, Ozzy. Come on. Like, let's 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 play... Let's play fair ground here, and let's let's have some common sense here. That makes no sense at all. You admire Hitler, but then Kanye wants to use a sample of your song, and he's an anti-Semite. Wasn't Hitler the ultimate anti-Semite? Come on. So, you know, he got hit with that on Twitter, and it was hilarious because people were like, holy shit, I never knew about this. Then Kanye got hit with another uh, copyright infringement. So let's go over this article. Kanye West has found himself in hot water once again as the estate of another legend has come forward to claim that the controversial rapper didn't obtain proper clearance to interpolate a classic song. In an Instagram story post that dropped on Saturday, February 10th, the estate of disco legend Donna Summer, who died in 2012, said that West didn't obtain permission for the use of I Feel Love, the 1977 classic track co-written by Summer, producer Giorgio Mordero, and Peter Bolette. So this is what they said. Kanye West asked permission to use Donna Summer's song, I Feel Love, but he was denied the post read. He changed the words, had someone re-sing it, or used AI, but it's I Feel Love copyright infringement. The off-sounding song in question is the good Don't Die from the Vultures 1 album. Um, and yeah, so they have issues with them. So I think this is why Kanye kind of pushes back his album. He doesn't get clearances because Kanye's got a bad image in the public, at least from a lot of celebrities. Um and then, you know, he has streaming issues with artists, with labels not wanting to distribute his, his thing. But here's here's where I give Kanye a bunch of props. He still managed to release the product regardless. If you look, the album's released independently under Kanye's uh, brand. That's it. There's no label involved. There's nothing. And Kanye is one of the biggest artists, like, ever. So the fact that he's gone independent, I hope it encourages other artists to do more. Because why the fuck do we need a label? Why are labels still a thing in 2024? That's my question. Like, these artists are rich enough to make their own team, marketing team, distribution team, whatever. They're, they're rich enough to do that. The only thing that should exist is these platforms like Apple Music. They should be, like, technically, quote-unquote, the labels. Labels should not exist anymore. I'm genuinely surprised that labels still exist. What the fuck does a label provide in today's time? I can't think of really much of anything. They're not doing artist development which is something that at least if a label was, a, was around and they developed artists and they helped them, 
maybe then I'd be like, all right, at least there's something there. There's like a filter where like, you know, we don't just get a bunch of random shit, but now there's not even artist development. So what's the point of the label? I love Kanye. The fact that he's gone independent, even if a label didn't want to sign him. And that's the reason why he went independent. The fact that he's still pushing independently. I love that. I wish Drake would do that. I wish Kendrick would do that. I wish J. Cole. I wish everybody that was big in music, Eminem, uh, Jay-Z, whatever, would just go independent and get away from these fucking labels because the artists hold the power at the end of the day. As you, you know, as we talked about earlier, publishing and all this labels sign these artists at 360 deals, take all their money. Like the fuck you need a label for nowadays. So shout out to Kanye for that, for just distributing his album on his own. Uh, so the album ended up, you know, peaking, uh, at number one, it debuted at number one on the Apple music and iTunes chart. Uh, then the project briefly disappeared from both platforms. Uh, because apparently, uh, you know, all these copyright issues and all these things. And this is what I mean. It's like Kanye Kanye needs to clear this stuff up a lot better. If you can't use a certain sample, man, it's all right. Just don't use it. Figure out a different way. You're Kanye West. You're a genius. You can figure out different ways to do this. Uh, other than that, I was going to review the album, like I said, but too much stuff going on in the news. So I'm going to review it and it gives me a little bit more time to consume it and kind of go over it. But uh, give you guys a little hint. I enjoy the album. And I think Kanye... Kanye can't be canceled because of his talent musically. I mean, honestly, this guy can say whatever he wants and uh, people are still going to bump him at the end of the day. Uh, speaking of new music, let's get into it. So Kanye West, obviously Todd Dallas signed Vultures Volume 1. Uh, Lotto Sunday Service, which is quote-unquote diss track to Ice Spice. I think she flamed her. So shout out to Lotto. Fabio Foreign, Pain and Love 2 album. Arnardo Wick, something uh, featuring Sexy Red. Chief Keef and Mike Will made it Dirty Nachos. Uh, Usher Coming Home, the album. Glorilla, yeah, GLD, Lil Skies, Thousands, um, Kid Cudi, and Denzel Curry, Black Ops. So that's it for new music. Speaking of, before we get into album sales, though, speaking of album sales, we're about to talk about that right now. Post Malone and Sway Lee have made history with the first ever double diamond song. You know what's going to surprise you guys? I've never heard this song. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I've never heard this song. I... I stopped listening to Post Malone a while ago once he went like the pop route. Like I just stopped because Post Malone had a lot of potential to go the more hip hop route and he was getting embraced by hip hop by a lot. And then he just went like this pop, you know, route that was just like, eh, but shout out to them and big round of applause to them. They're the first song ever to go double diamond, meaning they sold 20 million on a single. That is like insane. 20 million on a single. And that's what we're going to see as time goes on. Like more singles are going to start going diamond double diamond triple potentially diamond you know because streaming is going to make that possible this song came out in 2018 just think about in the next 10 years probably gonna be triple diamond 30 million sold you know we don't know i've never heard this song I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you guys i've never heard this song never i may have heard it maybe but i don't recognize that it's this song you know because i just don't i never checked for it i don't like i've never heard it and i'm not even joking when i say this I'll check it out, though, obviously, after this. But I wish I could just react to it right now. But if I play the song, it's copyrighted. So they're going to, you know, destroy this video. So, um, and this podcast, <laughs> I'll probably get copyright infringed up the ass. Um, so I haven't heard it, but I'm going to check it out because this double diamond thing is insane, man. I think that's a huge, huge feat. And congratulations to them, man. Um, you know, I'm not hating on the music. Obviously, it's just not my, I'm not really a huge pop fan, um, but you know, Post Malone and Sway Lee definitely are talented in their own right. So shout out to them. Speaking of sales, let's get into the album sales. Morgan Wallen, One Thing at a Time is still number one at 64,000 sold. Toby Keith, 35 Biggest Hits, debuted at number two with 62,000 sold. Taylor Swift, Midnight's number three with 52,000 sold. SZA, SOS, number four with 52,000 sold. 21 Savage, American Dream at number five with 51,000 sold. Noan Kanan, Stick Season, number six with 50,000 sold. Taylor Swift, 1989, number seven with 49,000 sold. Drake, For All the Dogs, number eight with 48,000 sold. Taylor Swift, Lover, number nine with 46,000 sold. Zach Bryan, self-titled album, number 10 with 42,000 sold. Uh, Travis Scott, Utopia, number 12 with 35,000 sold. Nicki Minaj, Pink Friday, two at number 18 with 26,000 sold. Drake, Take Care, number 24 with 22,000 sold. That's crazy, 22,000 sold off an album that came out in 2011. Rod Wave Nostalgia, number 30 with 20,000 sold. Scissors Control, number 31 with 20,000 sold. Metro Boomin' Heroes and Villains, number 34 with 19,000 sold. 
Little Baby My Turn, number 36 with 18,000 sold. Sorry, I just went over Eminem's Curtain Call at number 35 with 19,000 sold. Drake and Drake. So Drake Certified Loverboy, number 47, and Drake Savage, Her Loss, number 46. Both 16,000 sold. So Drake's got a couple albums on this fucking charts. Shout out to him. But uh, that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Please, guys, if you can support, support Golden Eagle Energy Drink. It's powered by them. This podcast, they sponsored all of season four. Shout out to them. A lot wouldn't be possible without them, so shout out to them. Go check it out at drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. I'm sorry if I'm reiterating this 90 million times, but please support it if you can, if it's in your location and you're able to do so. I know I asked if we could get a smaller pack out of the 24 pack, if we can get like a 12 pack, but right now the company isn't big enough in America to be able to ship out like a six pack or a 12 pack or something like that because the shipping cost is a lot. So hopefully if it grows in America, you know, they'll be able to ship out like a six pack so that, you know, people can get a smaller, smaller quantities. But right now it's only available in a 24 pack. So check it out, man. One of the best energy drinks I've ever had in my life. And I'm not even saying that because they sponsored because I've been drinking this drink before. I'm sure I can even find a podcast way before they sponsored me of me drinking it. Um, because obviously it's a European drink and I was well aware of it a long time ago, but now that I'm sponsored by them, shout out to them. Uh, like I said, drink forward slash DMP. Of course, Spotify, Deezer podcast, YouTube, all that. Have an amazing night day. Whenever you listen to this and peace.